Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart and Merry Christmas. This is the Christmas Eve, and I am so looking forward to celebrating tonight. And I will be celebrating the birth of Christ this evening, along with everybody throughout the world. You know, Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ, the most important event in all of human history. Along with the rest of Jesus' life, even if people fail to acknowledge its meaning, that doesn't change its uh, true significance. Why is Christ's birth so important? One reason is because of who He is. He is divine, the Son of God, to whom we witness His birth. You know, those who witnessed that first birth of Christ probably didn't understand the full significance of what they were enjoying. I mean, here Christ was coming as a baby. His birth is so important because of what He did. He came to show us God. But more than that, He came to open up a way for us to know God. We were separated from God because of sin, but Jesus came to take away our sins. He did this by becoming the final and the complete sacrifice for sin through his death on the cross. You know, admittedly, Christmas for many people has become little more than a secular holiday. Now, don't let this happen to you. Instead, put Christ at the very center of your Christmas this year, at the very center of your life. You know, history reveals that for 300 years after the death of Christ, Christians were few in number, and they were often persecuted by governments and controlled by the pagan majority. This all changed when the Roman Emperor Constantine began to accept Christianity in 313 AD. Although he wasn't baptized until his deathbed in AD 337, he was the man most influential for bringing Christianity into the mainstream of Western culture. For hundreds of years prior to Constantine, the Roman Empire had celebrated many pagan festivals. In the Roman world, the December 17th to 23rd time frame was a time of merrymaking, the time of exchanging gifts. December 25th was also regarded as the birth date of the Iranian mystery god Mithira the son of righteousness. The Roman New Year, January 1, houses would be decorated with greenery and with lights, and they would actually give gifts to their children and to the poor. As we look at this ritual, it has some pictures of what the Christian holiday is all about. Is it a coincidence that these customers are so closely related to Christmas of our day? That God of light, that God of deliverer, was a God that could not bring light But the God who can bring light is the God that we celebrate, the God of Christ. As we think about that tradition of gift-giving, this time of gift-giving actually predates Jesus Christ himself. The wise men were bringing these gifts to Christ, and they were coming before the king. But this was not a new practice that took place just at the birth of Christ. Giving of gifts to the king was a practice that was established under the first king that we know of. I want you to know, this Christmas Eve, as you gather together with your family, remember all that Christ has done for you. Remember the fact that he loves you completely. I want to read the Christmas story to you today, and then I want to make a few comments that I hope will help you to enjoy this Christmas season. We're going to look at 2,000 years ago, and then we're going to go back about 150 years ago, as we celebrate Christmas this Christmas Eve. Let's look at the birth of Christ. In the days of Caesar Augustus, there was a decree that was issued, a census that was to be taken over the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news, for there will be cause of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this is going to be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, on heaven and on earth. Peace to all those to whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and they found Joseph and they found the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen them, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured all of these things up and she pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and all that they had seen, which were just as had been told to them. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he was conceived. Now, as we look at this story of Christmas on this Christmas Eve, there are two big lies that we tend to struggle with. Lie number one is that we are good people. And then lie number two is that God doesn't judge sin. Both of these are lies. Both of these are lies that are confronted because of what Jesus did for us. I want you to know we are not basically good people. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, you know this is true if you take the time to admit it. As you look at your own life, you can't even meet the expectations that you have for your own life. I want you to know many people believe that God does not judge sin. I'm here to tell you that God does hate sin and he does judge sin. I want you to know that he judges sin and he allows us to be set free from that judgment because when he judges that sin, he bases that judgment and he transfers it to his son, Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is receive that free gift of salvation and you'll be forgiven of your sins. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me a reason to celebrate this Christmas Eve. There's a song in the air because of what Christ has done for us. So today I want to share with you the story behind the story of that famous Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. That song was made popular way back in 1864. As we look at the calendar and we look at history, the year 1864 was actually a leap year. That leap year, and it started on a Friday, 1864. 
Throughout that year of 1864, it was not a good year. Lots of things were happening around the globe. February 1st of 1864, there was the Danish-Russian War, where 57,000 troops gathered together and they fought each other and hundreds were killed. On February 17th of 1864, America was involved in civil war. The tiny Confederate submarine Hunley torpedoed the USS Housatonic and became the first submarine to sink an enemy ship. The submarine crew of eight people were lost. On February 28th, also talking about the American Civil War, the first Northern prisoners arrived and they arrived from Richmond. They were in a prison camp in Georgia. These 500 prisoners had left Richmond seven days before and found themselves captured in Georgia. In March 9th, the American Civil War, Abraham Lincoln appoints USS L. S. Grant to be commander-in-chief of the Union armies. There were 36 major battles that ensued. Mr. Grant entered into the war thinking the war would be quickly done away with and quickly he had victory. On May 21st, we discover the Russian Empire commits a terrible genocide in which 1.5 million people are murdered. Those who survived were forced to leave their homeland and they were to end up spending the rest of their lives as refugees. Unbelievable. This is 1864. 1.5 million people murdered. In June 15th of 1864, the Arlington National Cemetery was established. 200 acres would become the grounds of this National Cemetery. These 200 acres were donated by Robert E. Lee. As we look at this cemetery today, it's overwhelming when you think of all those who have died through the 200-plus years of our history. On August 22nd, 1864, there was the first Geneva Convention, and the International Red Cross is founded. On October the 5th of 1864, a cyclone goes through India, down into the inner city of Kolkata, with 70,000 people being killed. On November the 8th, 1864, the United States presidential candidate, Abraham Lincoln, is re-elected in an overwhelming victory. On December the 15th and going into December the 16th of 1864, the American Civil War lost its last battle of 1864. It was the Battle of Nashville. Union forces decidedly defeat the Confederate Army of Tennessee. On December 25th, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow composed the words to this song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. The carol was originally a poem called Christmas Bells, containing seven stanza. When Longfellow penned this words to this poem, America was still months away from Lee's surrender to Grant and Appomattox Courthouse on April the 9th of 1865. And in this poem, he reflects the prior years of the war's desperate and ongoing effort. As he looks at the war lingering on, he begins to lose hope, but then he puts his hope in something else. 
The poem gives birth to the carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Two stanzas which were contained in reference to the American Civil War were omitted from this poem. The remaining five stanzas were slightly rearranged in 1872 by John Baptist Codkin, who also gave us this memorable tune. As you look at the corners of history and you go down through the pages of history, we discover as Wadsworth is writing these words of this famous Christmas carol, he's looking at his life and his life is in shambles. The name Henry Wadsworth Longfellow is a name that perhaps should be familiar to you because he wrote such poems as Paul Revere and His Ride. He wrote other songs throughout history. As we look at the life of Henry Longfellow, uh, there's actually a bridge in Boston that will take you from Boston into Cambridge called the Longfellow Bridge. When we think about how he gave so much back to his community, he taught literature at Harvard for 17 years. All that he wrote comprised a lot of literature, a lot of poems, a lot of blessings to a lot of people. As we look at his life, his life was not a life that was free from pain and suffering. He was married to Fanny. Fanny Longfellow, one Christmas Eve, was trimming her daughter's curls. When she decided that she would take these clippings and put them into an envelope, and she decided that she would melt this envelope with a sealing wax from the candle. And she would take a few drops from the candle and allow it to drop into the envelope to seal off the envelope. Unfortunately, the few drops fell unnoticed upon the little girl's dress. Soon the dress was in flames, and Fanny ran to Henry's study. He frantically attempted to extinguish the flames with a throw rug. Failing to smother the flames with a throw rug, he began using his hands and his arms to try to smother the flames. Fanny Longfellow died the next morning at the age of 44. Henry Longfellow's trademark long beard arose from his inability to shave as a result of this tragedy where he had so many burns on his face. Longfellow's oldest son, Charles, was a lieutenant in the Army of the Potomac. During the Battle of the New Hope Church in in New Hope, Virginia, Charles was severely wounded. A bullet hit him and shattered his left shoulder across his body, exiting the right side. Henry was summoned to the hospital in Washington, D.C., and brought Charles home for recovery. In the backdrop of the tragedy of losing his wife and having his son severely wounded in war, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote this song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I want to just read these to you on this Christmas Eve. He writes, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. On this Christmas Eve, maybe you are lacking that peace 
that transcends all understanding. Maybe as you look at your life, you said, my life is missing an, aw- an awful lot of things. I feel empty. I feel confused. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on this treadmill that I'm going nowhere. I want you to know that you can experience that peace that transcends all understanding. You know, there was one Christmas that I experienced that was kind of a sad Christmas for me. It was a Christmas in which I was battling some guilt and I was battling despair. And the reason I was battling guilt and I was battling despair is because I had been involved uh, in an accident earlier that year. And that accident was an accident that caused a lot of pain to somebody that I knew and that I cared for. And I was having trouble getting past the pain and the guilt. I had wished that the the pain that this person was experiencing, I I wish that I could have taken that pain from them because it was because of my, my, my time of recklessness and my time of being inobservant that I, I hit a person with my car. And I was devastated because of the pain that I caused that individual. That particular Christmas, as I was going through trying to get my life back on track, I believe I lost about a year of my life just going through that terrible time of depression. I decided that the only way that I could get through that time of depression was to memorize God's Word. I went to a council that provided some help and some hope, and he encouraged me to spend time memorizing God's Word. And so that's exactly what I did. I began to look at God's Word to find comfort in my time of, of this depression and my time of discouragement. And so one of the verses that I memorized was taken from the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15, And these words have meant so much to me throughout the day and throughout the year. It lifted me out of that time of depression. 1 Corinthians 10.15 says, There is no trial taken us, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with that temptation provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. I looked at that verse and I began to memorize it and I began to look at it section by section. And it brought so much comfort to me because I thought that as I'm going through this time of difficulty, I must be the only one going through this hard time. But Paul reminded me, there is no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. You know, the one thing that we all have in common is that we are all going through times of struggle in our lives. The trials that we go through, Paul says, it's common to man. There is nothing unique about the trials that you're going through. Oh, I know when you're going through them. They feel like days of desperation. They feel like there are days that are never going to end. One of the things I realized as I was going through that time of depression is that I realized that the world was going on without me. It seemed like my world had stopped, but everybody else was going on as if there was no problem whatsoever. As I read that verse and I I thought about it's common to man. You see, you can't get through life without having some hurt. You can't get through life without having some pain. And it's common to man. It doesn't matter if you live a long life or a short life. There are going to be some times in your life there's going to be some unexpected things that enter into your life. There are going to be times of discouragement. Oh, don't feel isolated at that time. Put yourself in a position where you can be with others. The Bible says that God comforts us in our time of trouble so that we can comfort others. I promise you there's somebody in your life who has gone through or is going through the same thing that you're going through right now. Paul says God is faithful. Oh, I love that little phrase. There are times in my life where I have lacked faithfulness, 
I know I've disappointed people because I haven't been faithful enough to them or I haven't been diligent enough to bless them. I want you to know that God is faithful. You can always count on him. I've discovered sometimes people will fail you. I've had people come to uh, my church and say, well, pastor, I'm going to be with you till death do you part. All, all these other people may leave and go to the churches, but not me. I'm going to stay with you. Some of those very same people about God moving them onto something else or onto another church. You know, as you think about life, life is so short. And even in the shortness of life, there's a lot of uncertainties that happen in your life. I'd be very careful what you say you're going to do. I make sure that you are going to be faithful in carrying out what you said you're going to do. God is faithful. I strive to be faithful, but sometimes I fail. Sometimes I fail to, to, to live up to the expectations that I have for myself. God will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, also provide a way of escape. Oh, I love that. Somebody asked me one time, can God make a rock so heavy that he can't lift it? And I said, well, yes, he can. And then go ahead and lift it. It's just like, does God put so much on us that we can't bear it? And then I say, yes, he does. But then he gives us a way of escape. It says that God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. In other words, God knows our breaking point. He knows what we can handle and what we cannot handle. When it gets beyond our ability to handle it, God provides a way of escape. And he always does that because he is faithful. Now, our job is to find that way of escape. Maybe today, God is speaking to you about a decision that you're about to make. And in the deep recesses of your heart, you know that this decision that you're about to make, it's the wrong decision. Maybe you're contemplating getting married to somebody. And you're saying, well, I better not get married to this person. Or maybe you're thinking about proposing to somebody this Christmas Eve. And as you ponder that proposition, you say, well, I, I, I'm having some doubts. Oh, why don't you wait? If God's will for you to marry that person is God's will, then you will have that assurance. Many years ago, I had a man come to me and he says he and his wife were going through a divorce. I said, well, how long have you been married? He said, we've been married for 24 years. And I said, you've been married for 24 years. Why are you throwing in a towel? Why are you giving up? He says, we have never had a good marriage. And I said to this man, when did you realize that your marriage was in trouble? He says, before I asked her to marry me. I said, if you realize that your marriage is going to be in trouble before you even asked her to marry, why in the world did you decide to ask her to marry you? And he said in response, I felt like I had to. Everybody I knew thought it was a good idea for me to marry her. Everyone I talked to says, this is a good thing for you. But in the deep recesses of my heart, I knew she wasn't the right one for me. And I made that decision. And I've spent 24 years trying to make things work, and it's not working. I want you to know God had provided a way of escape for him, but he didn't take it. Oh, I wish he had taken it. He would have avoided 24 years of regret. You know, even when we make bad decisions like that, God still blesses. And so I encourage this man to look at the blessings of those 24 years. Even though he was not fully in the center of God's will to marry that particular woman, God blessed their marriage. 
I says, don't cast this all off as, as a negative thing. Realize that God was right in the middle of that marriage. God bless you with three wonderful children who grew up and loved the Lord and were serving the Lord. I says, don't look at this as all bad. You know, God has a way of taking the ashes of disaster and turning them into success. Hosea taught that God would take what the locust hath eaten, and he will restore that. I want you to know, even if you make a bad decision, God is in the process of restoration. All that verse says that God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape so that you can bear it. Listen, this Christmas Eve, God wants you to realize that He is with you every step of the way. He wants you to know that He is right there to lift you up during those hard times. He's there to encourage you, to give you direction. God loves you unconditionally. Well, thank you so much for listening this Christmas Eve. I pray that you have a very Merry Christmas. May God bless you. May God allow you to enjoy your family. May God allow you to be filled with His presence as we get ready to start a brand new year. So, Lord, be with us this Christmas Eve as we celebrate the birth of Christ. May it be all about Christ, all about what he's given to us in his gift of life, this gift of salvation. We love you. We praise you for the opportunity to be together on Christmas Eve. Keep us safe, and we praise you today for this wonderful gift of Christmas. And we pray this all in the most precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And we praise your name. Amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.